My husband Rob and I were in the evangelical church for 25 years, leaders, worship leader, uh, you know, retreat leaders, all of that stuff you can do, we had done. And then our daughter came out as queer. And the church said, wonderful, we're so glad. No, they didn't. <laughs> there, it, there was this unspoken thing that we don't really fit anymore. It's not spoken. That's the weird thing about it, the insidious thing. So I decided to test it. So I talked to a, a gal there, the most mature woman that I knew there. I told her my daughter had come out as queer. And she said, well, it's a sin and you can't accept it. It comes from wounding. And I was like, okay. Hmm. That was the end of the conversation. I told one more friend there, got the same response. And I was like, okay, this is not going well. And I knew in that moment that the church, my relationship with the church, our relationship with the church would never be the same. That this place that we thought was a safe place for us was no longer a safe place. My daughter was sharing her deepest heart with me, the most intimate part of her life. <clears throat> and I don't have a place, my faith community, that I can share it with. That's a really startling realization. Uh, I also realized that these two women, and they just represented what other answers I would have gone if I talked to others, that their stock answers they pulled right off the shelf is not Jesus at all. You just read Jesus. Jesus never gives us stock answers pulled right off the shelf. That's just the easy way out and the self-protective way out. I also realized that we were putting in our life savings and they're playing with Monopoly money. So we left the church. We cared about the humanity of our children and not about the box rules of the church. I call it the box church because everything must fit neatly in a box. You know those organizers people have and they kind of drive you crazy, or at least me, because everything's all perfectly neat. That's what these churches are like. They want their theology to fit neatly in a box. And whatever doesn't fit, they'll break to fit. And if they can't get, if it won't stay fit, They'll just throw it away, people included. Now let me tell you that our children are not expendable. They're not to be thrown away. Um, the, the whole idea of, you know, you can't accept this about your children just has no reality to it. What do you mean I can't accept it? What do, I, what do you want me to do with my child? And the idea that is presented in, in these churches is you have to choose between God and your child. But that's not true. That's never been the choice. It may be between your church and your child or your doctrine and your child or your deeply held religious beliefs and your child. But it's not between God and child. Your, God didn't give you a warranty that said, if this child doesn't turn out the way you want, just get rid of them, right? To choose God, to choose your child, is to choose God, because God gave you that child, just exactly the way they are. When all the pieces came together, and I realized that this community was not really community to me, it was really eye-opening. 
And all the pieces, a lot of other pieces of that box just fell right off. What keeps any dysfunctional family, dysfunctional system going is pretending there's no dysfunction, pretending that everything's normal. If you admit how dysfunctional a family or a system or a church is, then it falls apart, which would be a good thing because from those ashes would rise something new and beautiful. But, that's, uh, but it's very scary to those inside of it. You see, the, the church, the box church, got off in the weeds somewhere a long time ago in thinking that their job is to tell people what's right and what's wrong, what they can do and what they can't do. That was never meant to be the church's job. The church was told to love and let the spirit move and do whatever needs to be done, right? Which is what I sense here. Let me tell you a fun fact about the brain. Your brain, our brains are designed for creativity and life and expansion and learning and growth. They also have this very cool design in them that if we're under threat, they're equipped for fight or flight. They don't operate at the same time. Because when you're in a threat, if you're facing a tiger, let's say, and you need to fight or flight, then your brain needs all its resources to get you out of that. It doesn't have time to create in that expansive way. The box church is steeped in fear. That's what I didn't realize. And so there's this fight or flight mechanism going on constantly. And so it's very hard from that paradigm to look out and say, hey, there's a whole group of people that, I don't know, they didn't seem to choose this from what I know. They don't seem like, you know, um, given they're given over to depravity, the way Romans describes all of these things that they make. They just seem like kind of regular, normal people. They just are different in a way that I don't understand. Maybe, maybe we need to look into this more. That would be the, the expansive, creative way, right? Maybe we should just love them and let God do God's thing. But the fear keeps it boxed in. You know what I'm saying? So they look at uh, people outside of their box, and they just don't have the capacity to embrace them. Well, somewhere along the way after Annie came out, it was a year later, uh, our youngest daughter came out. And that was just like an added bonus. <laughs> Because, you know, it just really made us all the more neck deep in this culture that has become so amazing to us. We've lost friends. We've lost family, as we kind of anticipated when the journey began. Um, but the people that we have come to know and love have been so beautiful and so uh, engaging and so wonderful that I wouldn't go back at all if I could. I wouldn't make my, my daughters straight if I could. I think God is so expansive and so amazing. And I'm up for all the people God has to put in my life. After Annie came out, and I describe her as going on this journey like with a machete in her uh, academic you know, fact-finding, following her heart way, in a machete through this uh, 
doctrine that we understood. And we were with her, you know, cutting through and discovery. And then the youngest one comes through saying, yeah, me too. So she had a much easier time of, of it because we knew what we were doing by then. But when, but when Annie came out and we embraced her without uh, hesitation, but she said to us, are you sure you're not going to reject me? Are you sure? She asked several times. And it was heartbreaking to me. Why are you asking, I said. We, we, of course we accept you. She said, well, I've seen it so many times. And that, to me, opened up a, a world of heartache of people who are being rejected from their church and from their families. I couldn't even fathom that that was really happening. It, it crushed me. And, I, and, and the church, the box church, doesn't really know that because they're outside the box. They're not looking at that. So you in the queer community, you who are otherwise marginalized, they don't really see you, honestly. That's a, that's a really sad thing. So I, I knew that my heart's desire was to reach out to other parents in our situation and help them embrace their kids. Gee, what a novel concept. And to embrace the community, to be loved as unconditionally as I've been loved. I just get to love them. I like to say now that I love people for a living. It's the coolest thing to just express love to those who have not been loved. Um, and uh, the people that I've lost along the way, I just want to tell you it's like cleaning out your clothes and those clothes that you think that were, were indispensable before now no longer suit you, and you think you'll really miss them, and then you don't. That's kind of how it's turned out to be, especially with the cool new clothes that I have now. <laughs> it's really awesome. So we became fierce advocates and allies. I started Freed Hearts uh, in fear and trembling, writing posts that were really far out there and laboring over them because I wanted them to be bullet, bulletproof from these you know, evangelicals who come up with a scripture for everything. Uh, and the more I went, I'd, I'd get um, emails or messages from moms saying, my daughter just came out, came out, what do I do? My church is not accepting, what do I do? And to just press into that and to bring God into that and God's love into that was so satisfying and so filling and so freeing. I love what God is doing in this whole community today and in, with women and with people of color and all of the groups that have been marginalized. I'm really excited about the forward movement that's going on. So we, um, we started Freed Hearts and I had no idea when I started how big the need was out there. I wrote Mom, I'm Gay, Loving Your LGBTQ Child and Strengthening Your Faith. And um, that's been really popular for parents because I talked to them about well, what's, what's your job? Okay, you think your child is whatever, you know, whatever you assess their life to be. What's your job? What are you called to? You're still called to love unconditionally. You're called to embrace. God didn't put you as the mediator between you and your child to determine what is acceptable or not in their life. God said love, right? So that's the conversation we have and the conversation I have in the book. And then I also wrote True Colors, celebrating the truth and beauty of the real you. And I wrote that to express the love and 
and acceptance that God has for you wholesale and to heal from wounds of what parents have said and what church has said and what people have said to you that God thinks about you and to dismantle that, to release the beauty that is in you and to heal the hurts and even the internalized homophobia and transphobia that we're all subjected to. I also run a Facebook group for moms. We have, uh, I don't know, 500 something moms, 839 moms. I haven't looked in a while at the number of moms who are, we're in there loving and encouraging each other and speaking up in our churches. And the dads have, um, my husband runs a dad's group and that has 150, I don't know, men. It grows every day, 200, yeah. So it's always fewer than women because, you know, we're going to keep talking. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so we, we just provide love and encouragement for each other because the face of the church is changing. And even the evangelical church is, has found it's springing leaks. And people are leaving through those leaks in a big way. So that's the good part. That's what I love about that. Let's see where I was. Yeah, so I want to just pause for a minute and ask if you have any questions or any thoughts as we move forward here. Yes. Um, Non-Christian, you mean? You know, they don't come my way as much in, like, they don't ask me their faith questions. Um but I meet people like in PFLAG from other faith traditions and other ecumenical settings. So, but the answer is the same. I think all the faith traditions are to love God and love each other as a foundation. And so that's where I go with anybody who comes to me. Yeah. Sure. Yes. I counsel them to listen very carefully to the Spirit and see where the Spirit would lead them. Um, I, I think that if, here's the thing, the box church is a paradigm. Can I say male patriarchal paradigm? It, there's a paradigm in there of, of authority and hierarchy that doesn't want to be thwarted. And people who move underneath within that paradigm, they may have a voice within, like to other people, other parents there, that can be very um, helpful and very satisfying. But to break the paradigm, it won't really, the permission has to come from the top to be able to um, really shift the paradigm. People don't give up their power voluntarily. And they don't give up being in charge of others voluntarily. And so um, unless there's power, there's freedom from the top, you're kind of wasting your time to think you're going to change a paradigm. But you may be able to reach a lot of people within the church. But you will still bump, 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 bump up against the paradigm and can be very frustrating. So I think people have told me it's true for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I say as advocates, you know, yeah. seeking another voice. 
Yes. And have you found um, you've been helpful in that? Or it's been frustrating? Okay. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's true that if everybody leaves, then who's going to talk to them? Um, but it's also true that you have to know, don't, I used to have a bigger hope that I could go in and kind of change the trajectory of the church. And that's not really authentic. That's not really going to happen unless God is, is making that happen. Um, but yeah, I really like to listen to the spirit on saying, and if, if the spirit doesn't resonate for you, you can say, listen to your intuition about whether it's a place that's going to be, uh, you're going to really find life there or give life there or better to move on. And people have done both. Yeah. Yes, there's also something about self-care in that and not beating yourself against a wall. Um, I don't know. A lot of Christian parents, when the kids were little, they some parents would homeschool to kind of protect them from a certain environment. We, that's another conversation. But others would say, well, you need to go be a missionary in your school. Well, if you're eight years old, you may not be a missionary in your school. I don't know. It, that probably is a, a whole different can of worms to open up. But... I'm just saying you have to you have to judge the size of of the beast that you're going up against to stay in there. What anybody else? Any, yes. Yes. Yeah, so my closest relative, who was my mother figure growing up, um, no longer invites us to family events. We are no longer in their lives at all, her and her children and the whole dynasty. And um, that was really a hard blow. There were two big events over the last few years that I found out about on Facebook that night family, you know, really? And it's, I know a lot of you have experienced that kind of thing. It's just, it broke my heart to see that that's what, that's the choice being made is a structure and really comfort is what it is, uh, comforting their own fear rather than embracing family and maybe rethinking what you thought you knew. It's, it's really devastating. And I, I feel very fortunate because I have a husband who loves me, and I have five children that I would die for, who I would choose over anything else. And so I have that um, in my favor. What I really hurt for is the 17-year-old or the 14-year-old or the 27-year-old who has been disenfranchised, who has far fewer resources, far less privilege than I have. And they're out there on their own. It just, it makes me weep. It really does. And I want to take them all into my home. I really do. And be their mom. And I can't do that. But, um, but gosh, it's unconscionable to put people in that position. Yeah, it's a high cost. And if you have, are going through that or have gone through that, my heart goes out to you. And I'm really sorry for the pain. And it's important to grieve uh, Gal was in the last session, 
saying that about her mom and how she really has had to grieve that relationship. And it's true. You have to, you have to grieve and then you have to marshal your resources and the friends who love you and press into them and the community that is here for you. And don't go keep going to a dry well and hoping you'll get water there. Because if it's not there, it's not there. And if God, don't, if God wants to do a work in your parents and change their hearts, then God can do that. They know how to reach you. But don't keep going there. I encourage you not to go keep going and looking for something that they don't have to give or they're unwilling to give. Because it just is painful. Yeah, that's the worst part of what I do is the stories of people who are just bereft on their own. I, I, I just don't grasp that. Anybody else have any thoughts or any questions? I mean, I met a, I met a, in Australia, I met an um, intersex woman. I was doing a healing LGBTQ conference. And I met an intersex woman. She said, I have rarely been in relationships, but I've been kicked out of every church I've been in. Now, clearly she was born this way. And yet she had, cannot find a church home. And I thought, that is unconscionable. Unconscionable. And to pretend that it's about you know, uh, defending God, like God needs us to defend God. To, to pretend that is just a big, fat lie. Yeah. Anybody else got anything? Any thoughts or questions? Yes. 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 Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we have, we know, we claim to know God, this huge God that does all kinds of amazing things. Look at the Bible, you know, closing lion's mouths and killing the giant with the stone and all those stories that we tell our kids. And we have Jesus who came to redeem us and all these stories we tell. And yet we live in total abject fear. We should be on the leading edge of every human rights movement. Justice, could we talk about that? I mean, that, why are we not on the leading edge? Because we've been, become about behavior modification and sin management rather than life in Christ. That's the, that's the tragedy. And every 500 years or so, there's a reformation, whether we need it or not. And the last 500 years ago, it was, it was breaking away from the all-inclusive, all-encompassing Catholic Church. And today, it's breaking away from the stranglehold of the behavior modification church. And, you know, so there's a lot happening, which is very exciting. Yeah, I, I have hope, and I'm, I'm hoping maybe it's closer than 100 years. We'll see more movement. Yes. Christian yes. 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 And and uh, kind of as Annie said, being attentive to self care as you do the work, so that you don't end up decimated, is really important. But I I agree. There's a lot of work being done. I'm sure a lot of you are doing profound work. So anything else that you have?
I'm going to um, conclude with something to leave you with. This is a quote. It says, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. But the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. We, um, and while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. That's Steve Jobs. Does that sound like us? Or at least how we've been labeled? Crazy, misfit, rebel, heretic, apostate, troublemaker? We're in good company. Jesus was labeled those things too. And every mover and shaker uh, in the world. I'm here to tell you something. That you, that we are the ones who are changing the world. You may, may have been labeled uh, rejected, condemned, shamed, shunned, labeled, discredited, kicked out of your homes, kicked out of your churches. But you are the oppressed and marginalized. If you're LGBTQ or if you're a family member or a supporter, you may be now living in the margins. But let me share something with you. It is from the margins that the great movements of God are birthed. Picture a boy in the pews listening to stuff that just doesn't make sense uncomfortable, his heart is troubled, and he doesn't know why. But what about some blatant thing or other he asks, and the preacher, who if he were open would say, good question. He just can't quite bring himself to say that. Instead, he says, get that boy out of here, and none of you are to talk to him again. That boy may be Copernicus, postulating that the earth is round, he is not the center of the universe, it could be Galileo saying the same thing some hundred years later, or both of whom shifted our understanding of our solar system and so our universe. It could be Wycliffe or Wesley or Calvin or Luther, all labeled heretics because they challenged the church's unchristian and self-serving doctrine. Yet these protesters became the Protestants who gave an alternative to the Catholic Church and produced Bibles in people's street languages. And what if it's a girl in that pew like Joan of Arc, who led the French army to, to freedom, and the church thanked her by burning her at the stake. Or other women who didn't toe the party line, and so the church burned them as witches. It could be Brennan Manning, who wrote about God's love for the marginalized in Ragamuffin Gospel. Today, today, maybe it's you, or your parent, or your child, just speaking up and saying, wait, aren't we supposed to love? We are witnessing a great heretical movement today of the simple message of good news emerging from the margins and into our common understanding. Beautiful. A movement of unconditional radical love and inclusivity. A movement to live in love like Jesus. You are the leaders of that movement. I get really snarky when I see people like Franklin Graham or James Dobson or Pat Robertson listed as evangelical leader under their name when they're on TV. They're not the leaders. They're followers into a graveyard of fear. The real leaders are the ones in the trenches doing the work. That's you and me. How do you step into your role? You just, you just do what's in front of you, even if you're scared. You speak even if your voice shakes. Every day, countless people 
including those in pews and pulpits, are just not feeling well in their hearts. People are shooting and being shot. It's a heartache out there. And you know the cure. It's to radically include as we've been radically included. It's to unconditionally love as we've been unconditionally loved. You may be oppressed and rejected and condemned, forced to live in the margins, but you have the cure. You carry the Jesus antibodies. You're the future leaders, and it's important for your hearts to know that. It gives you strength and encouragement and assurance when things get difficult. Outside of institutional Christianity, there's always been a remnant of people who embraced the spiritual teachings of Jesus that were denied or twisted by the church. Throughout church history, this enduring remnant has been marginalized, silenced, ostracized, persecuted, and put to death. But light cannot be extinguished. And this light is intensifying and growing bolder, and it won't be turned back. You are that light, and you're leading that light. You're intensifying and becoming brighter and bolder every day. Receive that and know it in your heart and live it. Breathe it in. Be the heretic it's in your heart to be. The one you were designed to be. And let's do this. Thank you.